I'm John DiLiberto, and you're hearing the Echoes podcast from PRX. This week, we hear from Meredith Monk. She's an icon of the 70s and 80s New York downtown music scene, right alongside Philip Glass, Steve Reich, and John Zorn. Her music is centered on voice as an instrument. Before there was Elizabeth Frazier, Lisa Gerard, or Azam Ali, there was Meredith Monk creating wordless folk songs from another planet. <laughs> I think it was your description, <laughs> which I, lo- I just love because, you know, when I was 12, 13, I was very interested in folk music. I mean, I had played piano my whole childhood and, and sung my whole childhood, but I just got very enamored of folk music, probably because I wanted to express my misery as a teenager, you know, with very sad British and Irish ballads. You know, that's probably really reflected my state of mind. There's something about the plaintive honesty of folk music. Before we get to that, I want to tell you about Echoes Online. You know, you're probably going to be traveling somewhere where you can't hear Echoes, but you could take the perfect travel soundtrack with you by getting a subscription to Echoes Online. Echoes Online gives you 24-7 on-demand access to Echoes programs. There's also exclusive online-only streams and Echo shows without the talking. That means me and just the music. Just get the free Echoes app on your cell phone and you can take Echoes with you pretty much anywhere you can get a signal. Go to echoes.org to find out about Echoes Online. That's echoes, E-C-H-O-E-S, dot org, O-R-G. And now, Meredith Monk. Before singers like Elizabeth Fraser, Lisa Gerard, and Azam Ali were making up their own languages to sing, there was Meredith Monk. She was intoning sounds from within her soul and deep in her subconscious mind and bringing them out in a music that has the aura of the ritually divine. ECM Records has just put out a 13-volume CD set of all her recordings on the label. We go to the source with Meredith Monk. I'm Meredith Monk. I was born in, in... When was I born? It's too ancient. I'll start again. I'm Meredith Monk. I was born November 20th, 1942. And I'm a composer, singer, and director. Meredith Monk is a striking figure with an austere demeanor. Her slender body is always draped in loose-fitting clothes, and she wears her brown hair tight against her scalp with pigtails hanging down below her breast. She looks like a picture of someone in the Dust Bowl, circa 1933. I spoke to her at the Big Ears Festival in 2019, where she was a featured performer. Her music is a singularity.
Music journalists are always trying to come up with the words to explain the wordless sound of Meredith Monk. An unknown language, or how about folk music from another planet, yes. as someone called it. I think that was my description, wasn't it? <laughs> I think it was your description, <laughs> which I, lo- I just love because, you know, when I was 12, 13, I was very interested in folk music. I mean, I had played piano my whole childhood and, and sung my whole childhood, but I just got very enamored of folk music, probably because I wanted to express my misery as a teenager, you know, with very sad British and Irish ballads. You know, those probably really reflected my state of mind. But, you know, I played guitar, and, and you know, there's something about the plaintive honesty of folk music. You can hear that on recordings like Dolman Music, her first release on ECM Records in 1981. Meredith Monk turned 80 in 2022. She came up in New York City at just the right time. The downtown avant-garde scene was just blooming with composers like Philip Glass, Steve Reich, Lamont Young, and John Hassel forging a new scene around their minimalist music. Monk isn't a minimalist per se, but her sound is minimal and it fit right in. Meredith Monk rarely uses words in her music. Hers is a glossolalia of vocal sounds that can be serene and ethereal or harsh and abstract. But I always felt that the voice could really capture and express emotions that we don't have words for between the shades of emotion. And in a way, I think that's what poetry does, or painting. You know, each person looks at a painting, an abstract painting, they're going to really come out with something different. And I like to give people that freedom. But it's not just random vocalizations. Every sound that I find really comes from my own instrument and exploring. And also, I think of every piece that I do as another world, like another sound world. Monk is in character when she sings, taking on an identity that she's imagined to convey her sound. You know, I could make characters within the way that I was singing it. I want to have that plaintive honesty or plangent kind of honesty of folk music in my work. When Monk uses actual words, it can often be playful. Her lyrics are frequently simple, everyday refrains like, I went to the store. That's a phrase from Turtle Dreams. When 
On one of her most recent works, Cellular Songs, she has a piece called Happy Woman. One time I was meditating, and the thought came to my mind was, well, if I die tomorrow, I've had an incredible life, and I've just been you know, surrounded by love, and I've done what I've loved to do in my life, and I'm just so blessed. And then I got up from the meditation and was walking around the house going, oh, I'm a happy woman, I'm a happy woman. And for some reason, I had this my little taping device that I have, and I think I was taping it because I thought, well, when I'm depressed, I'm going to listen to this. And go like, you know, I, that I had this thought. Put it away. I didn't even think about it. And then I was in New Mexico. I do a lot of work in New Mexico because I have a lot, you know, it's peace and quiet there. And I was at the piano, took out the little recording device, and I was trying to find another piece of material from cellular songs. And suddenly came upon a happy woman. And I thought, wow, that's sort of interesting. Oh, I'm a happy woman. I'm a happy woman. second half of her career, Meredith Monk has taken on themes that are very expansive. The last 10 years or so I've been taking on these very large themes, but it's really more with the knowledge that I actually can't make a piece about them, <laughs> that nobody can make a piece about them. Like, how do you make a piece about impermanence, for example? It's like an oxymoron, a form about impermanence. So it's more just that I love this process of contemplating something as part of making something. You know, it just seems like a wonderful way to spend a life to contemplate these ineffable kinds of themes. And then I think music has that poetic and universal and very rich emotional palette to work with different aspects of these themes. It just touches upon different aspects, and it's certainly not trying to describe anything or illustrate anything. It's just using the principles of something, and then the music just seems to come from that. never try to convey something specific. I always like to convey the power of mystery and magic and allow each person in the audience to have their own responses because I feel that to try to second guess a group of people is, um, you know, really a kind of folly, <laughs> you know, because each person is very different. So I try to make the music layered enough so that each person could take something from it that they could maybe use in their lives. Oh, I'm scared. Oh, she's scared. Oh, she's scared. It's scared. Oh, he's scared. It's scared. Oh, 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 oh. 
Monk combines choreography with a voice and live performances. Sometimes it's just her on stage, sometimes it's other singers moving in a serene but alien dance. It isn't ballet. Her training was slightly unusual. Well, my original training was Dalcro's Eurythmics, which is a way that children learn music through their bodies. In my case, I was learning my body through music because I had coordination problems as a child, but I was very musical because I come from a musical family. So I think that body connection of the voice and the body was very strong and also space and space harmony. She had some classical training, but it didn't quite take. I think that when I was at Sarah Lawrence, I realized I was in the opera workshop there and interpreting chamber operas. And I just knew that it was too confining for me because I always wanted to create something from the time I was 12 years old. And because I also came from a movement background, I trusted that nonverbal communication. And I also knew how to work with my voice because I had, was also doing choreography at that time. I had much more limitation with my body. And so I found my own physical language to, you know, even to work with my limitations, to find my own way of moving and something very unique to me. So that process of going into a studio and really working with my body as material, when I had the revelation about my voice as an instrument, which was in the mid-60s, after I came to New York, I just used that same methodology with my voice, but because I was came from a musical family and I had a more virtuosic instrument to start out with, then that method I could find wider ranges of textures and, and range and ways of using the voice. In her concerts, and even on record, there was a sense of ritual to Meredith the Monk's works. It's as if you're experiencing a sacred rite. Uh, I think ritual is very important in society and in culture. I mean, we do brush our teeth every day, and um, there's something about the consciousness of the now of every moment in ritual. And also, I think ritual slows things down, and I feel like that's something that I really try to do in my music because... It's a very fast culture that we're living in, and I think there's not a lot of grounding. And I think ritual does ground us. It's like our bodies and mind become synchronized. Although Meredith Monk says she doesn't want to convey any specific meaning in her music, the interior dialogue she has usually speak to an overarching theme. It's really more these textures, very complex interwoven textures, interdependent textures, as a kind of metaphor for what I would hope a society would be, which is cooperative rather than competitive, which is kind rather than violent, which is uh, generous rather than greedy. Do you think your music is 
trying to move us towards that? I think a lot of the pieces in the last 10 years, it's a prototype for the possibility of human behavior, Mm -hmm. you know, which is uh, very open and vulnerable and sensitive and generous and radiant, hopefully. turned 80 in 2022, Meredith Monk is making a music that is still, hopefully, looking out for the world, creating other worlds that may be more peaceful and visionary. You can immerse yourself in Meredith Monk's world in a 13-CD box set of all her recordings on the ECM label over the last four decades. I was so glad to finally get this Meredith Monk interview out there. I recorded it back in 2019 at the Big Ears Festival and have just been waiting for a hook to hang it on. I thought that would be the recording of her cellular songs, but that one still seems to be in process. So the recordings box set on ECM seemed like a good time to release it. I will have a link to Meredith Monk's new box set in the posting for this podcast at echoes.org. That's echoes, E-C-H-O-E-S dot org, O-R-G. And again, that's the same place where you can support Echoes and the Echoes podcast. Next week, I've got Marconi Union, the dark, brooding UK electronic trio, talking about their new streaming live performance. I'm John DiLiberto. This has been the Echoes podcast from PRX. See you next time, tonight on the radio somewhere in the country or at Echoes Online right now or whenever you want.